Rockin' the microphone, Ben. <laughs> what are we if not a couple of bomb funk MCs? I love the bomb funk MCs. Yes, and uh, it's a good movie Monday to everybody. Thanks for listening. We're the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. I'm Glenn Cochran, and straight from the top of his dome is Ben Hellwig. How are you, mate? I'm good. <laughs> I'm a freestyler. You are. Styles, stilos, we bring the extra kilos. <laughs> Never has there been a truer lyric. Just got a surplus. <laughs> You know the Bombfunk MCs? Do you know where they're from? Uh, like uh, Europe somewhere? They're Finnish. They are Finnish and this week's special guest is a Finnish director. I know they're Finnish, but where are they from? That was lame. <laughs> that was bad. They have Finnish. No, it doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. I'm no. trying to work around it for you so we can... Uh, yeah, it can work. No. No? no. Are you, like, fi- are you finished? <laughs> <laughs> Have you finished? Have I finished? <laughs> so this guy we got on the show, he's a finished director. He's the guy that made Iron Sky 1 and 2, Jeepers Creepers Reborn. He has a brand new thriller called 97 Minutes. We're going to be chatting with Timo Borensola. his name. You know, we get so many guests on this show with tricky names. Only for you. <laughs> well, how, well, I'm not going to say How would you it. say <laughs> this guy's name? If you read it yeah. off paper, how would you say it? I uh, didn't think that comment through before <laughs> I said it. Oh, far out. Um, but before we get to all of that, go to our website. That's where you'll find your way to all of our social media pages. Goodmoviemonday.com. Like, follow, subscribe to everything we do online and um, drop us a comment, all that kind of stuff. Just getting the obligatories out of the way here, mate. Yeah. Tell us how much you enjoy the show, and then, but then you can only listen to five minutes before you got bored. <laughs> That's our favourite kind of comment. Throwback to last week's <laughs> comment. <laughs> Great show. Bit boring. Got bored, got bored at seven minutes. <laughs> Oh, far out. Hey, we do have other things on the show. Every single week we have Jared Garn on the show to talk about physical media. He does his little update segment. We've got a good one for you this week. Uh, he's the go-to guy when it comes to home end. He has specs and details and shit in his head that I can't fathom. I don't know where he gets that memory from. <laughs> I haven't had a memory like that since I was like 12. <laughs> yeah. Well, you knew a lot when you were 12. When I was 12, I had a great. I could remember every, every slight, both real and perceived. <laughs> Now I can't remember. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. And to think they didn't have Dolmy Atmos back then. No, they did not. <laughs> we also have uh, the Bonehead Weekly podcast come along and do a, a fun size segment for us. Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, James Thomas, and uh, yeah, the Bonehead Weekly podcast is a Kentucky version of what we do practically. Yeah, and they just talk nerdy shit, and they're along to. I can't even remember what they're talking about this week, but I'm sure it's great. <laughs> But strap in, strap in because it's going to be a really long one because um, we, you know, the Jarrett segment's going to go for quite a bit and uh, our interview and the goes for quite a bit. seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> a bit later. It's not, it's not, just so you know, it's not, stick around, it's not that long, far out. What are we, uh, what are we talking about? I wanted to pick your brain about Theatre Camp, the movie that was uh, oh, yeah, released last week and uh, you didn't, you didn't come along. No, I was just told that the best that the whole movie was basically in the trailer. Yeah, it was. And then I didn't watch the trailer, but then I also didn't go to the screen. This movie was pitched at a very, very niche audience, and that is 
theatre people, right? And if you're not a theatre person, I don't think there's much in this for you. I know a couple of theatre people that have seen it, went online, read their comments, and they really like liked it. People who are in theatre or just fans of theatre? Uh, no, in theatre. So theatre the- people, people, you know. And they really like... Musical theatre? One of them talked about how like they've spent four years of their youth at uh, theatre camp theater and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, there's definitely an audience for this. I'm not that... Audience, yeah. you know. It did. It also played at Myth before. Yep. Before its actual release, so it's pretty pretty close to the end of Myth when the um, yeah it, release. it came out pretty quickly. But uh, anyway, so we can't talk about that. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, or do we just want to? Well, I just uh, I've been watching. Funnily enough, I've been watching a lot of, um, and that's that's what I was going to try and talk to you about later, <laughs> and I completely <laughs> forgot about what it was. But I've been watching. Uh, I think I told you I've been watching Shogun, the yes, miniseries. Yes. Yes. Which, like, I find miniseries to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Just the, the the very concept of them. Yep. You know, like, these are basically, it's, it's a TV show, but they're movie-length episodes, <laughs> you know, spread over four thrilling nights or Which, two a, thrilling nights. And that nights. used to be special. It used to be a big deal. Like, Salem's Lot, uh, <laughs> It, like, these were big ones. The Shining that... Uh, you're talking Garris. horror now, but we're like back... You also had like, you know, Dirtwater Dynasty and... Oh, the, you know. the Alice or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. And, uh, Town like Alice. Thornbirds. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, like Thornbirds was like... I remember Thornbirds being ridiculously huge. Doesn't get bigger than Roots. Roots and the <laughs> uh, the, the subsequent spin-offs from, from Roots. Lonesome Dove, you name it. That's right. The Larry McMurtry, all the yeah. Lonesome Dove and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which is, did you know Lonesome Dove is what... Robert Duvall considers to be the best work he's ever done. He's great in it. Mm, that yeah. scene. Are where they, they gay? Is they are they gay? I I don't remember it well enough to be able to make any kind <laughs> it's of. It's very on ambiguous. That. But I do remember as a kid watching it, and the the whole thing's like the at the thing at the start of the series. There's three friends, and they're kind of yep. I don't know if they're outlaws or not, but they they're having adventures, and then mm-hmm. you know, in the end, two become lawmen, and one's still an outlaw. And they have they catch him and have to hang him. And <laughs> like I literally, I think I cried. <laughs> the, the original is powerful, but you know yeah. they are very very good friends. <laughs> well, on the you know they, they, cut, they cuddle during the storm. You know, as they say <laughs> in the outback, two <laughs> fellas have to look after each other. <laughs> so where were you going with that story? Oh, just just I was just wanted to talk about miniseries. Oh, did you want to? We've done. Did you want to um elaborate on that? Do you want to share that story you told me? Well, because like I've just been, I love like, it. Like we know, we all. <laughs> I think by now, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that I work for Monster Pictures, and I also do some freelance work for Umbrella Entertainment. I produce some of their titles. They've just announced two that I've worked on: Red Rock West and Lord of Illusions. Um, Before you go any further, are we allowed to talk about this? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think well, they haven't announced. Actually, they haven't announced the title yet. Okay. Uh, but I'm just going to do it here anyway. Well, okay. Well, I can bleep the the title. I'm telling you when it's coming out. It's just at some point it's coming out. <laughs> Uh, but I'm working on, I'm working on. A, well, okay, I'm working on a mini series. Yep. Uh, that's based on on uh, a, a series of books by James Corbell. Yep. Who's an Australian author, but big international. He actually directed To Serve with Love, believe it or not, and wrote, mm. you know, The Great Escape and stuff. The screenplay for The Great Phenomenal. Escape and stuff. He's a yeah, he's a big deal. And um, <laughs> but this this mini series that I'm working on is like one of the la- the, the latter installments mm-hmm. of the series, and it's where it starts off. <laughs> there's a couple. There's uh, Shogun is the first one. Taipan is the second one. <laughs> so if if you've got a half a brain, you can jump on the internet and figure out what I'm, <laughs> yeah. which one I'm working on. But it's not Shogun or Taipan. Yeah, right. 
But Taipan, Taipan is is around. Mm-hmm. That's had yeah, numerous releases. Yep. Shogun <laughs> is is impossible to find on any VOD platform. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to find on any of the uh, illegal download sites, as far as I could find. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> eventually, I uh, and I was like, "How am I going to get?" This to is see a lot of time spent. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, "How am I going to get to see this series?" Like, I want to watch them all and just see how because because it all connects. They yep. all, all of these things connect it through the ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was. <laughs> And I was kind of getting a bit desperate. And I was like, this is just ridiculous. Like, what am I going to have to do? And then on a completely unrelated phone call to a friend of mine, I was telling him about some of the Blu-rays that I'd, I'd bought over <laughs> from the UK. And as I was going through the stack, I behind this in the second lot, I realized, oh, I'd bought, <laughs> I'd bought the Shogun series for like two pounds and a CEX and just completely forgot about it. Uh, there's only one part of that story I find hard to believe. What's that? That you were a bit desperate. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was, I was. Yeah, if I can't find if I can't find it legally, I'll find it illegally. If I can't find it illegally, that's that's why my DVD and VHS collection is what it is. Because I hate the idea. I used to love buying film mags, mm-hmm. not so much anymore because I, I feel like they almost don't exist. But I would hate that. What I hated about them was reading an article about something, going, "This sounds great," and then not being able to see it. And it used to be a real job to track these things mm-hmm. down. You know, you you know, and then you'd have to you'd have to have a great memory, because you know every now and then you go to like Carlton Video Dogs or what you know DVD <laughs> collection yeah. or you know fantastic you know whatever fantastic films and stuff, and you see a film there and you're like, oh, I remember reading about that in Shock Cinema issue twenty two <laughs> from you know nineteen ninety two, you know, and then you have to go, I can't remember why I wanted to see it. <laughs> That's right. Got to grab that. Yeah, but that's how I saw Get, Car- Get Carter, mm. which actually did get a VHS release, but it was not in any of the video stores I ever went to. Yeah. I remember reading about it, reading a parody about it, of it in Loaded magazine when I was a kid going, what is this movie? Like, Michael came with a shotgun. This looks fucking amazing. <laughs> and then when I finally found it, it was actually amazing. But it took a, you know, like, do you remember, have you seen Whiskey Galore? That um, It's a Clattish, cl- classic British no, movie about this. It's set in this Scottish coastal town mm. during World War One, I, I believe, and they're all under um, uh, restrictions, mm-hmm. so, and they can't get any, any all the food and booze and everything is needed for the war effort. So they're all, you know, and this car, a cargo ship carrying all this booze crash lands on the rocks, and so they kind of have to they go and steal all the booze, the whiskey without. Like letting the mm-hmm. Coast Guard know about did it. Did it have a local, remake? It did have yep. a remake with Eddie Izzard about yep. five years ago, yep. four, three, That's four years ago. That's where I know ago. it from. And Loaded Magazine did this par- parody called uh, Heroin Galore <laughs> about a heroin shipment that had washed up on this like <laughs> Scottish town, and they're all <laughs> all the inhabitants are like had to be up had to secret. be Scotland, didn't it? Yeah. It's <laughs> It was hysterical. Well, we've just taken care of the second most popular complaint. When are you going to start talking about movies? <laughs> yeah, we've talked about some films and some TV, which I love. Because, I, I mean, <laughs> I what is your thoughts on a miniseries? They're TV, but they're movie length. I'm happy to talk about them. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, we have talked about Salem's Lot a lot on this show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And It. I was talking about the theatrical cut. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing that bothers me about Taipan, because the copy of Taipan I have... Is movie length. It's the Brian Brown like, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good cover. The, Good I, I watched the first five minutes of the copy I had just, mm. and then I thought, no, I'll wait till I finish Shogun. Mm. He's got a Scottish accent through it, and Jack, Brian Brown, I I love the man, 
but accents <laughs> are not that guy's forte. Newsly is the super app that supports Good Movie Monday and we support them back. So go to newsly.me and download it onto your phone and start listening to all of your favourite podcasts through their service. It's fantastic. It is the super app that not only has all the podcasts, but it has news from all around the world, the highest trending articles at any given time, and it reads all of the news back to you in a natural human voice. Very, very, very handy for when you can't be bothered reading or you're just too busy or you simply can't. And as a listener of Good Movie Monday, we can get you a free upgrade to their premium service for an entire month. So go to newsly.me, download it, and use our exclusive code Monday without the O, M-N-D-A-Y. Get it on your phone, start listening, support us by supporting them. All right, well, the weeks keep coming, but they don't stop coming. Um, Jarrett's in the house. Well, that's rather timely that's a, considering... Yeah, that's a... <laughs> That's my tribute. It's my tribute. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's good then. Yeah, no, no. Understandably. Unfortunately, there's no releases of Shrek coming out this week to coincide. <laughs> if it were Disney, and if Disney were still doing local media, you could guarantee they would be re-releasing Shrek next week like they did with What's Love Got to Do With It. Well, that Shrek horror film's coming. Fiona. <laughs> what? Yeah, you know how they did Winnie the Pooh and the mean one? Oh, there's yeah, a, there's right. a Shrek one coming called Fiona. They're mining these fairy tales at the moment because um, they've got three Bambi, blind mice Bambi as well. and Bambi. Yeah, they're all they're all <laughs> happening at the moment. Just waiting for Mary Poppins. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, that kill a nanny. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like a bit of a crossover with the old Hammer, the nanny with <laughs> Betty Davis. Yeah, no, but like, the, what if the, the the premise is that Mary Poppins gets sent to a fa- like to a, like a problem child type family, and in the end, there's nothing left for her but to get revenge. Totally. You know what? It doesn't even have to be a horror film. It could be like Problem Child. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. True. Nanny McPhee, but she's incredibly. Oh, the ideas. The ideas. They just keep coming. They don't See, stop coming. Again, they need to put us in a studio <laughs> so we can start green lighting and getting these things. And, and 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 an independent studio so that we can actually go into production on these films like immediately. We don't have to wait for these strikes to finish or anything of that nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just. I think it needs to be like. You remember that sketch on. Um, I think it's on the Cracker Jack DVD. Is it Cracker Jack? Where it's the the from the Sean McAuliffe show where they're it's the the boardroom at Channel Nine, but they're all all the executives <laughs> are shrouded in in darkness and you can't see, and they're all just sitting there in silence. And then one guy goes, "I don't know what the show's about yet, but it's hosted by Eddie McGuire." <laughs> for another yeah. five seconds and then like all right let's make a pilot <laughs> yeah that well, sounds that sounds familiar i think i have seen that yeah. either cracker jack or possibly bad eggs well we drag so, you in, we drag yeah. you in every week to uh to discuss you know yes physical media and i think you were really keen to to chat about ezra miller this week oh well yes but i'll save that oh, okay I'll, I'll start with <laughs> universal sony pictures home entertainment keep them waiting because they've they've got probably the superior superhero in definitely the superior superhero film this week. They've got uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse happening on 4K Blu-ray and DVD. 4K has Dolby Atmos, and this thing is actually loaded with special features. You've got like a filmmaker commentary. You've got nine featurettes. You've got lyric videos. There's a deleted scene on there, and there's probably stuff I'm missing. I think there's even Easter eggs on there as well. It's a pretty comprehensive release. And again, on all the formats, which is refreshing. Great uh, film. I don't, 
I definitely got to pick this one up. I actually did the digital premium VOD rental and watched it in 4K with mm. Dolby Atmos, and it was fantastic. I think I it's honestly better than the first, which was which is a, which was pretty bloody good. Which was I, amazing, yeah. I do have a question though. With when it comes to animation, does the 4K is the 4K that much better than the the 1080p for for animate for animation? I mean, it's already as De- you would. Definitely for the newer content, for sure, because you've got Dolby Vision and HDR. And so what that does is it augments the color spectrum. So you actually get like, you know, more vibrant, brighter kind of colors and distinction between them. And for a film like this, it's going to look spectacular with Dolby Vision. But definitely not so much probably for the older catalog titles. I mean, unless they're going in and doing HDR work, but that's that sort of borderline where you're going, well, is that going to change the way I remember it? You know, they start toying with colours like Michael Mann did with the Heat 4K and countless other films, Thief, you know, he's he's one for changing colour palettes. But yeah, definitely I feel for for the animated fare that's, okay. that's 4K, so... Yeah, but moving on, Universal Sony also have Renfield coming out. However, this one's only coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. And, you know, that would be fine. And I'd probably buy the Blu-ray. But given Universal's track history in the States at the moment of releasing Megan, uh, what else was there, Violent Night and The Black Phone, they dropped all these on Blu-ray and DVD. And then less than a year after their release, they're doing 4Ks. So I'm just going to kind of hold out because I reckon there might be a 4K in the works for that. And that said, if there is, it's probably going to have an Atmos track on it. And of course, yeah, Dolby Vision or HDR. So look, it doesn't doesn't hurt me to wait. I'm, I'm still going to pick up those other three that I've, I've avoided buying for $8 so I can pay $40 just to buy them on 4K. It is a cracker of a film, Renfield. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, I loved it. And it, was, it just surpassed my expectations because I thought it was going to just be sort of schlocky slapsticky and it was actually like gore fest and and yeah. hilarious and nicholas cage was terrific in it like having him seen i've oh, seen him play in like vampire's kiss and then play in this as a vampire he's fantastic that i would love to see him do a serious vampire role now i think uh, but i'm I, sure um... he's got it out of his system I think I got COVID when that came out, so I missed the screening. So this is my chance to, to catch it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, man, I think you're going to love it. Absolutely, yeah. You it's... think Nicolas Cage has it in him to do a serious... <laughs> a serious yeah, he's, loving, he's loving the new trajectory. Huh. Yeah, look, think... it's, it's sort of hard to say. Yeah, and I don't know if he will have interest in doing it because he really wanted to play you know the gary oldman dracula role in dracula yeah. but obviously that would have been nepotism involved given that francis ford directed it but even if you go back and watch that gary oldman's kind of you know <laughs> overacting is is, is absolutely iconically yeah absolutely yeah. it's like it's it's grand camp almost but I, that that's an incredible film that's aged incredibly well in terms of time i think I've yes. enjoyed that movie more now than I ever did when I saw it on theatrical and it's, it's the, video. It's the experimental, practical element of it, I think, that holds it up well. Like, you know, the miniatures and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Just... It's sort and of like that last was... sort of, you know, generation of cinema where everything was done so practically and optically instead of all purely with CGI. And it really just looks incredible. And let's not forget that in HD, all those scenes of uh, <laughs> Lady Frost running around in her 90s, like they really, things are really highlighted. 
Hey, Ben, <laughs> in 4K with Dolby Vision, it looks spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully Sony might give it a local release. I mean, the 4K did come out some time ago, but they just reissued it for an anniversary. I think it must have been last year, maybe. Uh, so I got the, the steel book from there and, and yeah, it's oh, Dolby and Vision. That score, and that score is the best. It's all round. It's just, it's an incredible film. Possibly the last great Francis Ford Coppola film, maybe. Or you I did mean, Twixt. <laughs> oh, or Godfather Part 3, perhaps. <laughs> Actually, that preceded right. it. That yeah, just preceded right. it. So, that yeah, so anyway. Uh, right now trying to find that uh, steel book. <laughs> that's steel book. <laughs> now, the other release that's really interesting, and I'm going to get Ben to weigh in on this one. So Universal Sony from the Studio Canal catalogue are releasing Sam Peckinpah's Cross of Iron this week on 4K Ultra HD. And it's a two-disc set, one being the 4K Ultra HD with special features on there. And then a second disc, which is a Blu-ray, but not with the feature, with just a bunch of special features as well. And so it's a pretty comprehensive and amazing edition. It's going to retail for under $30 in stores. However, at the end of the month, imprint are releasing cross of iron in a 3d set they announced this like months and months and months ago and now studio canals kind of come in and cut their lunch by putting this out and getting it out earlier and getting it out at a really cheap price point because the imprint one i think the recommended retail is around 90 dollars. and the only big distinction between this is that the imprint one has a few more sort of you know featurettes and documentaries and a grindhouse version of the film which is the exact same cut of the film it's just taken from a beaten up 35 mil print now ben enlighten us as to how this actually happens that you know a label like imprint can sub license a film from studio canal announce it you know set a release date and then studio canal can just kind of come along and release their own version own ahead version. of the imprint one and and considerably less how does that actually happen like and and where does that leave a business like imprint who are going to be putting out something that's three times the price with marginally it, extra features furious. it's a bit Absolutely. of a dick move on, on studio canals part really uh but they look the international guys don't care too much about what the local guys you know have done and if they've sub-licensed it they kind of like well we're putting it out we don't really care and it's it's the it's the attitude of it's not just studio canal it's all the studios really they as far as they're concerned you're not actually you're not actually the license holder they've just sub licensed you the right but it's not doesn't seem to be exclusive hmm. it's just a weird crazy it's and a I mean, weird thing that they have and i'm sure it's in their contract somewhere in the fine print that lets them do it but does this <laughs> is, is this where like someone like um via um imprint can now renegotiate their contracts and make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen again i don't think so those contracts are pretty boilerplate and they don't really change them what what they could do if they hadn't already spent all that money and produced the actual discs is is swap it over they go back to studio which you know it happened it happened to us at at, at um at monster a, a while ago they they sub they sub licensed dracula prince of darkness to us even though it was out through shout factory like they just Mm. just a miscommunication in the office somewhere and really kind of a lack of caring i th i think in internationally it's and we crazy. Just, we just swapped it out they just redid the contract and we we replaced it with another title and that's just what that's the kind of real how, um, it's how, like a three post 
How yeah, diplomatic of you. Other podcasts would be like ranting and raving right now, but you're just bringing <laughs> some logic and some common That's it. sense. Reasoning. Yeah. It's crazy to think our, our market is, you know, such a small market and have two releases of, you know, I won't say obscure because it's not an obscure film, but it's a film that's not necessarily going to fly off the shelves mm. and to have yeah. two releases coming out a fortnight apart. And there's not going to be enough consumer demand for, you know, people will see an under $30 price point and go, look, that's good enough for me, rather than spend the $90 to get a little bit of extra stuff. It's also the type of film where the fans that are expecting it know both are coming. It's not like they're unaware Mm. of another. Like, they're the kind of fans that are across this type of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't know, how long ago do you reckon that that, um, Imprint announced it? Oh, Imprint announced it probably like, at least 90 to maybe 120 days ago, at least three or four months out, I reckon. And, yeah, and right. this See. Studio Canal release literally just kind of came out of the blue maybe five weeks ago. It just yeah. started turning up on pre-orpated and everyone just assumed, or oh, maybe they'll cancel it because there's been a miscommunication mm-hmm. or something. And no, no, it's going to market and it's in stores this week. There is also another caveat in those contracts that say that you have to release the film within six months of signing. Right, so right. If imprint a past that date, they theoretically could be in breach. I know a lot of the time, especially when you're dealing with, with a release the size of the imprint one, mm. they're dealing with a lot of outside producers who are producing that, that extra feature content, and they got, those guys don't always deliver on time. No, so you're right. Things, and, get delayed, I, I... things get delayed. Absolutely. Well, yeah. one of the extras is like a feature-length documentary as well that they've licensed, which is the first time it's going to be on disc, and it's from like a, you know, a historian, you know, expert uh, on both the film and Peckinpah's work, and he's the one, I think, that had the 35mm print, so they've done the scan from that. So there was a lot of background work that's gone into it, and <clears throat> no doubt it's taken imprint, time Imprint together. also have the reassurance of fans that are collecting the numbers. You know, yeah, but I also feel like that's kind of starting to drop off a little just because, you know, despite so the fact that they're great releases, you know, uh, there's just so much, so yeah, many of them that it is. it is hard and, and it is such a wide breadth of content that, you know, you're not probably going to have the same people want to pick up a copy of, you know, body parts that maybe are picking up one of the, you know, 50s classic hollywood movies mm, or yeah. even molina you know an italian film uh yeah it is it's yeah it's almost like they need to do sub labels within the imprint label <laughs> just to cater to certain crowds yeah. i mean look it's also the also the, the reality is too is that imprint usually when they release a special edition like this six months a year later they will release a standard edition without all the bells and whistles in this case they're just coming out around the same time mm. yeah true. yeah you're you know, right it's true you can, it's very true you can wait and pay 26 dollars for the for the for the cheaper one or you can get the fancy pants and yeah pay your you know like the steelbook price like like mm-hmm. the that dracula bram stoker's dracula <laughs> on amazon right now 72 dollars for that 4k uh there you I'm, go no, that's weird blu-ray 72 dollars 4k 52 dollars well there you go ben's getting the 4k get the 4k <laughs> but make sure you read that product description carefully because amazon are the absolute worst on on a side note just a humorous side note i did order recently a yeah it was a 4k from amazon and because the 4ks that are or any of the discs that are coming from the uk or the us they'll come from there in a mass 
mass lot and then they kind of get sorted locally and then posted out locally from one of Amazon's distribution centers. And sometimes the labels get messed up and it's happened in the past that I'd ordered a Blu-ray and I received a bike chain. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, instead of re receiving, I think it was the Creep Show 4K, I received uh, a pair of men's hiking shoes. <laughs> Did they fit? No, they were like monstrous size. They were like size 13 or something. They were like gigantic, like Bigfoot shoes. But um, interesting note, they actually retail for around $300. Nice. So, uh, you know, it might be one return that I'm not doing to Amazon in a hurry. Hello, eBay. <laughs> Lesson. Okay, so some more releases, gentlemen. Let's get on to Roadshow because that will take us to Ezra Miller. From the Warner catalogue, The Flash is coming. Another superhero film this week, The Flash, coming out in 4K, Blu-ray and DVD. Good news for uh, Blu-ray fans. You'll get the Atmos track on the Blu-ray as well as the 4K. So if that's got you on the kind of deciding point, you can probably settle with the Blu-ray. But of course, 4K is always better. Now, this thing's interesting in terms of special features because it's not like they got Ezra along to do an audio commentary. But... Strange that they didn't get the director along to do a commentary, given how much, you know, lead time they've had with it. But it does have a ton of featurettes. I think there's something like 10 featurettes, but mainly marketing fluff that run for three to five minutes and deleted scenes on this one as well. But I imagine it's going to be a pretty big release. And there's a steelbook coming out exclusive to one of the uh, specialist retailers out there, one of the few retailers. The irony, the irony is that the movie isn't Flash. I didn't mind it. I thought it was all right, but admittedly, my bar for DC films is pretty <laughs> yeah, damn that's low. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, a, it was a nothing yeah. movie. Like it was. Yeah, just... I think the cameos are what what does it, which is kind of <laughs> sad because you know that's that's like the worst of Robert Altman's films. You know, if there's a bad Robert Altman film, it's still good because there's some great cameos. Apparently, Nicholas Cage had no idea movie. he was cameoing in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, I thought that was. Yeah, I read an article about that recently, which is hilarious. So yeah, that one's coming out. Then also from Roadshow, they've got Joyride coming out, which pretty much just came and went super fast. You know, not the John Dahl Joyride. No, I wish it was a remake of the two thousand and one John Dahl, also known as Road Killer, as they released. This it one, this one's being produced by someone big. I can't remember. Um, is it? Is it Paul Fig or Will Ferrell or someone like that that's produced it? Uh, it would make sense if it was Paul Fig, wouldn't it? Because you know he's, <laughs> he's all for female ensemble films. But but yeah, this one's coming out on Blu-ray. Until, until those allegations come out, <laughs> it always happens. It's always you know, the case. If Joss but Whedon has yeah. us anything, it doesn't matter how much of a champion you are of the female anthology series or anything like that, the, the stories are going to come out. That's right. That's the reason you're in it with the ladies. But, you know, something like that's going to happen. Like, I, you know, he yelled at me on set. He's a bully. Time to cancel <laughs> him. That's it. Well, that one's going to be, that one's loaded with special features, surprisingly. Uh, there's five featurettes. There's a sing-along. I haven't seen this film yet, but there's a sing-along video because I believe the cast may have a scene where they sing WAP. You know that song? Oh, WAP. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's a choreography, so they must do a little dance sequence, a choreography featurette for WAP on there and uh, deleted scene and trailer. So it's quite hefty. But yeah, Blu-ray and DVD, which is surprising because this is a roadshow release and they're doing a Blu-ray for it. Um, and given that it didn't do strong box office. It was produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Ah, uh, there you go. Well, he has his hands in most. I like, 
I watched a, a screener for a film the other night that we won't be playing at Monster Fest called Cobweb. Mm. Uh, now, this film was one that they dumped out, Lionsgate dumped out the same day as Oppenheimer and Barbie in the States. So, of course, no one saw it. They put no money into marketing it. They released a trailer four or five weeks out from the theatrical, but the trailer went viral. You know, everyone mm. was excited for it. It's a very average film. Starts off starts off great and then ends completely differently. But yeah, Seth Rogen and and his cohort produced that also, mm. uh, which was interesting. First horror film that he's produced. So, and they've yeah, just done good. Ninja Turtles, like they're hot right now. Ah, well, on that note, I will mention now Ninja Turtles is, I think, it opening opened last week in cinemas here in Australia. Mm-hmm. That's actually coming out on Home Entertainment November 29th. So and there's a date for that already. We may have Peter Laird on the show. Just FYI, I interviewed him yesterday and um, just waiting for permission to put it on the show. Oh, well, there you go. There Excellent. You go. Something to look forward and, you know, the... to. I don't know if there's going to be a 4K Blu-ray and DVD at this stage. I haven't seen the details. The movie's excellent. The movie is excellent. Like, say, it's, if, it if looks super weird. These, like, I want to see it. New ones. Umbrella have the scratch and sniff original movie out. <laughs> yes. yes. And I believe, is it in November? Umbrella's going to do a triple pack that's got one, two, and three. And let me tell you this. Malavision or Stinkervision so, version. So when I spoke one. to Peter Laird, and for people that don't know, he's the creator, co-creator of Ninja Turtles. First thing out of his mouth when um, we had this conversation was, I still think the 1990 film is the best Ninja Turtles movie. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. But this this new one takes a leaf out of the Spider Verse, right? So it's a very the animations are done to look like a text like a textbook scribble in high school. Yeah, right, right. But it, it, it looks weird great. to me. It looked like um, I like I liked it because it looked mm. engaging, but it almost looked like claymated. Yeah, it's, it's so, so super odd. It looks like an acid trip of a movie. Hilarious, engaging. All the voices are real teenagers recorded in the same room together, so there's dynamic. Oh, I don't know if I could handle that. That'd sound too young. <laughs> I need, I need, I need, I need Corey to do my, uh, yeah. So good, so good. <laughs> no, well, that November 29th, so I'm excited about that. Uh, other news, you guys will be pleased to hear that Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment are going to do 4K for Gran Turismo. Uh, locally on November 15th, so nice. 4K Blu-ray and DVD. Obviously, it's done on the dollars at the box office, so it's warranting a 4K release. And again, another specialist retailer out there, uh, Black and Gold, are going to be doing a steelbook for that. So if you're interested in steelbooks, you can pick it up there. Are they the going to do one with the game and a model and the whole... No, yeah. Not yet, unfortunately. We're going to have to wait for the imprint release, which will be coming out two weeks later. Um, <laughs> and the last one I want to mention is Equalizer Three, which you lads saw, and Ben, I believe you were a pretty big fan of this one. We both. I were. That was oh, you both? You, yeah, you were into it as well. I, I liked yeah, it more. Yeah, I didn't like it oh, more. Okay. I, look, I enjoyed it. I just found that it was, it was, it really just went from A to B. There were no, yeah, yeah, there were no movie. real, yeah. <laughs> there was, there were no uh, side bits, which and I, that's I, the reason I, I liked it. it. I like okay. it when I was when I was describing it to a, a mutual acquaintance of ours, Jarrett Grant Hardy, or I guess all three of us know Grant. Mm. I said it's like it's like uh, if you watch American Werewolf in London late, and you've seen a bunch of other. Uh, <laughs> you said that to me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if you you know if you watch it late and you've seen a bunch of werewolf movies already, when you watch that one, you're like you you the transformation happens and you're like oh great. When's yeah. he going to fight crime? Yeah. It ends. Yeah, when's he fight crime? When does it end? No, no, no. That's just yeah. it. It's just a, a it's an origin story. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it begins and ends. Yeah. Say no wolf cop. 
shit. Well, that one's coming out in December. So they're getting that one out in time for Christmas in case you want to stick it under the tree. That one's coming out December 13th. And then again, no update as to whether we'll be getting 4K. But I imagine we will because Universal Sony did 4K for the last film. I mean, the first film actually came out through Roadshow and it might even be out of print now. Can I say I something? I get the 4K like, from the States of that one. I only just thought about this the other day and it's a weird similarity, but Equalizer 3 and Mafia Mama are very similar. Ah, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> they are I both set in Italy. Mark, both have the same characters in the background. You know, both play into the Italian tropes. Both, you know, obviously Mafia movies. But yeah, I'm like, these are really similar. And I don't even think Mafia Mama's got a release date yet. That's just is been... That- is that yeah. like how, is that like how analyze this and, and the sopranos were really close together in uh <laughs> kind of <laughs> i have a feeling that uh mafia mama i know that it was the reset collective that had licensed it for australia but i i'm thinking maybe it was handled by maslow entertainment yeah, right. theatrical i'm not 100 percent but on that note, I was just thinking last night that there's been no release date announced for Infinity Pool locally either for Home End. Had a theatrical. I mean, it's got it's had a Blu-ray in the States and now a 4K has literally come out. This was even worse. It's worse than Universal releasing, uh, you know, a Blu-ray and then less than a year later. These guys released a Blu-ray and then three months later released the 4K and they did the same with Crimes of the Future as well. Mm. But anyway, the 4K has just come out and it's about to hit in the UK, but still no local release announced for it, which is a shame. That's the kind of movie that will make money on home entertainment. It's cult cult cinema. So yeah, it could be stuck in the same sort of pool as Mafia Mama. But funnily enough, I do want to go back to Cobweb, which I mentioned before. As I was watching the film, I noticed quite a few similarities, not necessarily in the actual film itself, so much as the production design, to Barbarian with Cobweb. And I was like, oh, this and this and this and this. Jumped on IMDb after and found out, yes, it was the same producers. And yes, it was shot in Bulgaria as well. And I wonder if it was shot around Mm. the same time because I could have sworn some of the same sets were used. And I wonder if yeah. same producers are involved with Mafia Mama and Equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> Most effective. Well, you well, do films. Mafia, Mafia Mama is almost more method. violent than Equalizer 3. Like, it's gory as all hell. Wow. I'm hanging to see that. Absolutely hanging. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I have to keep my eyes peeled because no doubt maybe it's destined for digital and, and possibly no physical locally, which is a damn shame. Yeah. But anyway, gentlemen, that's all I've got for you this week. So until next time. Oh, so much for Ezra. <laughs> the, less, the less said, the better. I've got we've, a feeling. We've built that up over two weeks. Well, I'm hoping Imprint will put out a definitive edition of of The Flash and you could have like a supercut feature that just has Ezra throttling his fans. Um, that could be <laughs> something. Pissing on them. <laughs> and it could like even have a, a, a fan commentary track from people that have had experiences with Ezra it could be well, that would be, be something I was gonna, I was, I was so we'll do that one in two weeks why... when the imprint release comes out I thought maybe that's why there is no director's commentary because they he was given strict instructions like you just can't talk about Ezra but how can I do a commentary and He's not the lead no, in the we movie. need to He's talk about Ezra movie. yes yeah. well maybe there was a commentary recorded but then I had to go through legal and then legal's gone can't 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 and then they looked at it and it was like literally three minutes of dialogue and the rest just dead silence well, it's like, because oh. he kept he kept attacking them 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, we got there. We got someone there. Sedate, someone sedated. <laughs> anyway, yes. So until uh, next week, gentlemen, stay physical. Oh, congratulations, uh, <laughs> listeners, if you've made it this far into the show. <laughs> we haven't bored you to tears with our our nerdy cinematic ramblings. <laughs> now it's 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 game time. Dun, 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 dun. Game and time. Uh, game time. <laughs> this time uh, around, I had, I had, I, had, I did have great ideas. <laughs> Like, literally after we finished the show last week, I was mm. like, oh, we're going to do this next week. This is going to be great. And in true uh, in true Ben Helwig fashion, <laughs> didn't write it down. Completely forgot A about little it. bit of insight into how this show works is we record it, and the very next day I'm on to the next episode, yeah, and are. I'm texting Ben saying, hey, how about this? Let's do that. So I, I understand why you came up with the idea a week ago. <laughs> yeah. And I, every time you do it, I'm like, why are you hassling? We just literally just recorded. <laughs> but <laughs> why are you hassling me? Uh, I like to be prepared. You like to be prepared, yeah. Um, one day I'm going to get a copy of those show notes. One day you're going to give me a copy <laughs> so I know what's going on. But th- that day is not today. So, uh, But this time I had no ideas for what to do. Uh, luckily, you uh, pulled my chestnuts out of the fire <laughs> with a great idea. So we're going to each we're going to each list four films mm-hmm. and the other one has to rearrange them in the release order. Yes. Yes, I, I, uh, I mean, that's as far as I got. Like, uh, I mean, it's pretty simple in, in concept, yeah. but I haven't really thought about whether I'd be good at this. Um, <laughs> and did, we didn't have parameters like it has to be the same decade or it has to be, you know, it, it could go, it could be it could like, go anywhere. Yeah. I thought I could just screw you over and just do like movies from the 40s. Like, there's no way. <laughs> I would like, never have heard of half gonna, of them. Yeah. I'm just going to do the films of Tyrone Powell. I'm pretty confident that you know all of these. I say, I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident you'll get these. Like but this, I know I'll suck at it. And look, from my experience of playing a lot of games with Chloe on the other podcast, not having a pen and paper to kind of help guide you through this makes it even harder because I yeah. don't remember the fucking four movies as I'm yeah, going. You're <laughs> saying. What was that first one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when people say their phone numbers. And yeah, you're like, yeah. I'm not going to remember no that. No way. And they say, you know, the trick is to, to <laughs> instead of it being, you know, 439, it's 439. So because you, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you've got a good it's memory. Phonetic. Yeah, if you've yeah. got a good memory, it's supposed to be, I think, seven seven things is what is the kind of... or s- That's what, that's how they actually came up with the original phone number length. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the, the amount of numbers you could remember, a normal person could remember. Now, I'm at about three. <laughs> that's how my memory what is. What about that moment. time that we added an extra number to our phone numbers? Oh, that yeah. was chaos. R- remember when it was like, it's only a nine. It's a nine. And then all of a sudden, an eight crept in. <laughs> Where did the eight come from? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a real pain in the ass because my phone number used to be a 207. Yeah. <laughs> and then they changed it to 888 when we got the silent number. Mm. I'm like, 888? And then, no, at first it was 207, then it changed to 807. And then it went to 888. And I'm like, when will the madness end? <laughs> <laughs> How am I supposed to remember? So and it was always similar to, my, the other numbers were similar to the postcode. Mm. So I'd get confused. I'm like, is 3148 my postcode or my phone number? When are they going to start talking about movies? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, those people have already stopped listening. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> it's just us now, people. It's just, it's just, it's just you, me, and the uh, <laughs> in the microphone. And the <laughs> <laughs> so, do you want me to go first? Sure. All right. So these movies are all Oscar winners. Ooh. Best Picture Oscar winners. Once upon a time, I kind of had the Oscars in my head, like I was pretty good with the uh, the trivia. Oh, but no, 
uh, the last what ten years, I haven't given a flying fuck about. Oh well, the these are these are ages. These are, these are, this this first lot for mm. me is uh, from the eighties. Okay. So, the last emperor. Yep. Rain Man. Yep. Platoon. Yep. And driving Miss Daisy. Okay, so I will go platoon first. Mm-hmm. The last emperor. Mm-hmm. What were the other two? Drive Miss Daisy and and Rain Man. Ooh, Rain Man, Drive Miss Daisy. That is one hundred percent correct. So well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm feeling a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm gonna destroy it all. I've also got eighties titles here. Okay. So put these in order: Hamburger Hill, Bloodsport, Highlander. Oh. Tango and Cash. Jeez, I reckon Tango and Cash is the last of them. Okay. Uh, I would say Hamburger Hill would be the first one. Sure. Then Highlander, then Bloodsport, and... You need to rearrange two. Two. And what was the last one again? What was Tango the, and Cash. Tango and Cash. You had Hamburger Hill, Bloodsport, Highlander, Tango and Cash. Am I rearranging Highlander and Tango and Cash? <laughs> I don't think they were together. No, Highlander and um, <laughs> Hamburger Hill and Hamburger Hill. Yes. So, so Highlander's first. Then Highlander, then Hamburger, Hamburger Hill, Hill, Bloodsport, Tango and Cash. Yeah, right. And they were released in eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine. I'll oh, see. So that's interesting because mine, mine were also the best picture ones I read to you were eighty six, eighty seven. That's an easy way to research, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is what came out uh, that, those years? Yeah. So that's how I did it because that way I assured I wasn't doubling up on a year or, or anything like that. I, we, I've got one more list for you. I was going to say, do should it. we do one more? Yeah, have we you can. got another list? Yeah. All right, go for it. So this time I've gone a decade ahead into the 90s. Awesome. Also, once again, best picture winners. Okay. Okay. Shakespeare in Love. Yep. Titanic. Yep. American Beauty. Yep. The English Patient. Ooh. Okay. So read them out to me again. Shakespeare in Love. Yep. Titanic. Mm-hmm. American Beauty. Yep. The English Patient. Titanic first. Okay. Actually, no. English Patient, Titanic, Shakespeare in Love, American Beauty. I've done it again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, well and then done, wherever it gets to that point in my life where I stop giving a fuck, it's I'd a, be I lost. Should, so I should have done like the 2010. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've done the noughties for you for the next one. All right. So rearrange these in the correct order. Shaun of the Dead, Music and Lyrics. Superman Returns and Jarhead. Ooh. It's very eclectic. Yeah. Um, say them again. Shaun of the Dead, Music and Lyrics, Superman Returns and Jarhead. Ooh. Shaun of the Dead, Jarhead, Music and Lyrics, and whatever the other one is. Superman Returns. Superman. Oh. No, Superman Returns, then Music and Lyrics. Correct. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a long show, so we shouldn't do another round. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just move on.
Well, that is the sound of music. You heard that correctly, but it's definitely not Julie Andrews unless, you know, <laughs> you don't know, Eileen. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. She had throat surgery a while ago, so it could be Julie Andrews. You never know. Is throat, is throat <laughs> surgery a euphemism for like horse cock? <laughs> before, the, before the show, just for reference, before the show, Glenn was showing me all the uh, <laughs> bizarre sex toys that you can buy from Timu. <laughs> True, it's very true. Wow, <laughs> this is a little little glimpse into Glenn's world right now. <laughs> I was like, What else can you buy on Timu? And Glenn's like, Glenn opened his cupboard straight away. Just go to the sex toys. Like, oh, okay, some goes, of you them, can buy dog penises and horse penises. Some of them ooze. Some of them they do. Uh, I wonder if that jizz is edible. I bet it is. It must be, surely. Mm, but you could just put whatever kind of... Anyway, what are we doing? <laughs> put tomato sauce in oh. there just to add the Dormio grin. There's <laughs> some <laughs> people are here we're for just, this interview. We're just waiting for a Timu sponsorship. That's all we <laughs> That'd be a great one. That would be great. That would be a great one. Anyway, it was a band called Liabach and they are um, they are this sort of weird... A Slovenian. Slovenian metal band, very uh, ambient type of metal and yeah, it's their cover of "So Long Farewell" or their rendition of it. And look, if you loved what you heard, because it's a great, it's a great tune, hit them up on YouTube and watch that music video because it's quite controversial. It it's like a depiction of the Von Trapps as Nazi sympathizers, and they're having a Nazi Christmas. Makes sense. And it ends with like it's not related to Nazis, but it ends with like a reference to Joseph Fritzl. <laughs> great song it's a great song and uh the reason we're playing it is because that band wrote and performed the soundtrack to iron sky so there you go and that movie was about nazis who fled germany uh, after the war and live on the dark side of the moon <laughs> what an outrageous movie yeah it's much better than south america a lot less <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to deal with as many nazi hunters oh funny. Yeah, it's true 
through. Yeah. There's none of those on the moon. Uh, Iron Sky was directed by Timo Voronsala, and he's a fascinating filmmaker, um, a rock and roll style of director, I would say. He made Iron Sky 2 as well, um, and Jeepers Creepers Reborn. His latest movie is called 97 Minutes. It stars Alec Baldwin and Jonathan Rhys-Meyers. That's why I thought the interview went for 97 minutes. That's right. Because that's what you'd put in brackets on the sheet. Yes, that's what I was trying to say to you in the chat. <laughs> no. It's like, <laughs> it's like, I just look like, do we even need to, is this going to be the first show, the first, it's our first uh, uh, entry into the WTF type interview show, oh, where we just, we come on the, the start, we, you know, we bore you for 10 minutes Telling you our da- our live t- concert dates, yep, and then uh, you skip through and get to the interview and go. Well, and that's go right. Your day. That's right. Um, and I, I I put it to him that the movie ninety seven minutes goes for ninety five minutes. That's <laughs> um, it's a, it's an amusing moment in the chat. Uh, anyway, but the movie does start Alec Baldwin and Jonathan Rhys Meyers. But I have to just say that this movie is like a real throwback to the nineties, and it's a, a mid air hijacking movie, right, on an aeroplane. Um, but what I didn't realise is that today's episode drops on September 11. So Ooh. that was unintentional, <laughs> i got to say. So, you know, just, yeah, it's unavoidable for us because the schedule of this movie releasing is on the 13th. So this is the closest episode we could have, you know, to tie it in. So, yeah. How uh, awkward. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, um, speaking of tragedies, I've got to also say this is the first movie that Alec Baldwin made following that shooting Rust, tragedy the Rust, on the Rust, the Rust set. Thing which affected this film. So we go into that as well. So if you like movie stuff and talking about productions and whatnot, this is a super good chat. So a lot to unpack. Let's just do it. Enjoy it. In Australia, you are right. Yep, in Melbourne. Melbourne. Yep, yep. I know Melbourne a little bit. I've been there once. Oh, have you? Was that for work or was it um, pleasure? It was for work, yeah. I was doing ADRs for... Uh, we Because we shot my first film, uh, well, my second film, Iron Sky, we shot over over there in Gold Coast at the at the Warner Roadshow Studios, I guess so. And yeah, uh, yeah. some actors, they were from from, um, from 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 Australia, so it just made sense for me to come to do some ADR over there in Melbourne. And uh, Yeah, cool. Yeah, I spent a week over there and enjoyed my time in Melbourne. Uh, very cool, mate. I love that film too. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a fun one. Yeah. Well, thanks for making time to chat. Like, it is a pleasure to be yeah, talking absolutely. to you. Um, this uh, is an exciting movie for me because for obvious reasons, there have not been a lot of um, mid-air hijacking movies for the last 22 years. And I was personally glad no, to see... I was, I was personally glad yeah. to see somebody do it again. Um, it's a real throwback kind yeah. of thing. Do the financiers and producers hesitate at all when you sort of bring this subject matter to them? Well, to be honest, uh, this subject matter was actually brought. That the script is written by a different person than me, so I was attached uh, uh, after the script was already written. So I don't know what kind of conversations in the beginning there must have been, but I think we were all all agreeing, like like we want to go into this sort of like you said, throwback '90s kind of uh, thing, which there used to be a film like this every week almost back in you know 1992 19 you know up to up to obviously you know 2011 i sorry 2001 or whatever yeah. but uh but then they disappeared for you know obvious reason but i i felt like it's 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 okay time to go back into this because again it's it's still uh, it's it's in a way a good concept because we have closed space everybody 
has some level of fear of flying even if even if not actively but then everybody still is like oh my god what if something went wrong and if something goes wrong it always goes catastrophically wrong be there so in that sense it's a nice uh thrilling thrilling environment for a story probably not the kind of movie they're going to actually screen on an airplane though <laughs> no i don't think they're going to some incredible movies some incredible movies in the genre going right back. Did you take inspiration for any particular one or did you try to ignore those and go in this fresh? Well, it's, I mean, I think it's impossible not to take some influence because obviously, like I said, there used to be a lot of them and we saw a, a ton of them back in the days. Mm. Uh, but uh, I think one of the, there was a couple of films that I I did watch, which had, uh, where were sort of more later ones. Uh, I did watch the, was it called the one with the Denzel Washington was the captain. I mean, uh, was flight. flight. Maybe it was yeah. flight. Yeah, it was just yeah. flight. Uh, and then I watched. There's this, uh, may say Belgian. No, I hope all the all the people who who know better <laughs> don't kill me. But Belgian TV show uh, where there was also uh, not a, not a hijack, but the, but the plane setting. Mm. So I did watch quite a lot of those plane movies just to see how you use plane as an interior like what kind of options there are because actually it's relatively limited i mean it's a tube with seats and 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 lighting is pretty much what it always is you know it's not really you don't see like uh remarkably different things so so it was just looking like what kind of camera angles somebody else has invented so i can just steal <laughs> steal them off and, and try to get some some ideas from there but i think those early ones the, the 19 ones that the the vhs you know, you the ones that you rented from a, a VHS store. I think they are back of my head. But, <laughs> but for reference, I watched. But then for reference, I also read uh, a ton of uh, stories about uh, airplane hijacking, but also airplane uh, accidents, like like midair accidents. So what kind of things like technological, uh, uh, mechanical failures? And I read this. This is actually a really good book, which was just going through. Took five recent mid-air uh, uh, accidents and, and went through uh, to the tiniest bolt, like what went wrong there. And it's it's amazing how little needs to go wrong <laughs> that everything right. goes wrong. And then, you know, and, and then then to have, you know, a bunch of terrorists with, with guns shooting around in an airport, like that's that's a recipe for disaster. So, yeah, that's that's something that I... You certainly did nail the... Um, the... Uh, the look of a plane inside like it felt very claustrophobic yeah. and 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 real and and the movie was written by um is it Pavan Grover who is one of the bad guys in the film how did you guys come to work together um this is something that uh, uh so so Pavan had this script already I think he wrote it uh, some time ago already and uh he had been developing the idea for a while and then they came together with the producers and the producers knew me because I did a film with them before and uh, and they gave me this the script and I mean if you look at it from that perspective it was quite a, quite a nice like yeah it's a, it's an airplane thriller and you have like and you get great cast you get Alec Baldwin and you get Jonathan Rhys Meyers Miana Burda like a, a great cast but then you got eighteen days yeah. <laughs> I was like what <laughs> I give you eighteen days to shoot this film and I was like this is not nice <laughs> guys but then. <laughs> Then I, I was I was like because I'm a, I'm a stupid person I always say yes to uh, the most stupidest challenges so I said you know I took it almost like a challenge I said you know what okay so 18 days we can do this we'll just have to be very very you know uh, 
very aware of what our resources are. Our resources are pretty much what there is. This is there is a uh, there is a plane which is tube which is like that's pretty contained environment, and then I have another location which is also pretty contained environment. But I can't start adding any other locations, otherwise I'm going to be knee deep in shit. But but I but but somehow the lack of time kind of worked i think in favor of some things because it gives you this certain level of intensity because we didn't really have time so when we went shooting we was like all right guys this is set up this guy comes here this guy comes here here's a gun here's a gun shoot and then you go bam 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 and there's not a lot of time to like obviously you take again and you know you you create it but but you you have to do quite a lot intuitively and i think there's something that works when you need to do this kind of time sensitive thriller which has 97 minutes time is ticking so also the time is ticking for the crew when you're trying to shoot it and i think that's that was in the end turned out working pretty well for that uh, that that concept although in the beginning i was a bit afraid like 18 days is, is what is that two weeks two and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah well, some, some great things come from from pressure um and this yeah. movie this movie is is quite different from any of the films you've made beforehand like was there any trepidation you did say that you sort of jump into it and sort of went along with it you know you don't say no um but with this one being so different were you a bit fearful of it well in a way but i, I actually have wanted to transition from genre movies towards action that's something and it's very hard to actually transition from from because when you're a genre director you're expected to direct sci-fi and nothing else or mm. or horror and nothing else but to start transitioning towards more general uh topics like action films and and maybe dramas or whatever people always look with a little bit of like i don't know if you, you know what, what do you know about this and this and this but it, it's like we all watch the same movies it's not that you know it's, it's yeah movies movies raise a genre it doesn't shouldn't restrict it. but yeah of course i was i was kind of tends to you know wanted to make it the transition uh, you know as yeah. good as possible with that within the resources uh, and, and time there is so i was kind of nervous about that but also i had i was lucky because i had a i met this uh, uh dop his, uh, his name is constantine fryer and i think he's uh he's the fastest uh, uh and sort of like it's just sometimes when collaboration clicks and it works mm. like somehow it, it started to work with us very quickly and very fast and that really allowed me to actually have so to say more time than than maybe necessarily some some other production would have been yeah yeah right um and i want to quickly talk about the cast uh jonathan reese myers i think he's always an actor that's underutilized i really love this guy what's absolutely. he like to work absolutely. with um Okay. Um, <laughs> it's the worst question I mean, to ask somebody. What What do they like to work no, with? No, no, no. That, that's a good question. I'm just trying to come up with a uh, uh, with a with a politically uh, good answer. <laughs> I would, he's a very, 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 very challenging actor to work with. But when he uh, when you work with him, you are always amazed uh, by his uh, what he brings on the screen. So so he demands a lot from you and the crew and everybody. Like he's not any nobody in this crew will say, "Oh, he was a breeze." Yeah. not at all he yeah. demanded a lot and he's like you gotta be on the camera he's like this okay let's go and then you gotta be running with the camera and he's just this and this and this and then okay i'm done and then like it's and, and if and if you go and I, of course he'll, he'll work with you but it's just like 
his pace, I don't know, his, his pace is just like really fast. Yeah, right. Uh, and even, uh, I mean, this is not, it, it's funny because it's also, this is my second language. English is my second language, which which means that I'm not like I can speak it, but I can't be fast-paced situations. I, I, I'm i struggling <laughs> with words. Just to communicate sometimes is is, is quite something. So with Jonathan, uh, I think I, uh, I was I was privileged to get to work with him. Uh, but but it was also like it, you need to be on your toes all the time because it's it's something. But when he delivers, he del- delivers like he delivers 150 percent, and that's something that I never really understood why, you know, he's un- under uh, you know people should use him more. He's yeah he's a fantastic uh, actor, and and just gives you so much more than you would expect, and it's it's just quite 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 something. But. Yeah, you're not the first filmmaker I've spoken to that has had similar opinion, you know, of what he's like to work yeah. with. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also spoke, also <laughs> spoke with a couple of, uh, and everybody said that, oh, so you're gonna start working with Jonathan? So like, <laughs> luck. <laughs> I want to, I want to interview I'm, him. <laughs> yeah, but I tell, and and I, he is good. He's good and intelligent and everything. He is, and and he's he's the, it's just like. There's a certain level of tension in him, which is yeah, cool. When it's released in the right place, which is on the screen, it's fantastic. When it's released elsewhere, it might be hard. To <laughs> yeah, and I, I did read that um that Alec Baldwin was attached to this project quite a while before the production yeah. began. Was he yeah. like was he on board before you, or when was he an easy get? I think he was. He was. He was. I think around. Maybe he was a little bit before me, mm. at least on the talks. Yeah, uh, there was there was some discussions, but but and I'm, I mean obviously it's a, it was quite an interesting uh, combination because uh, when I came abroad there was like there was a version of the script wasn't the final script or anything and I, yeah I think Alec was already in the talk so it was kind of a good situation to begin with, but then of course when when the the, the accident happened with uh, with Alec on the Rust set like that that of course like threw everything in the in the bit of a jeopardy like how is this is this gonna uh, go ahead and are we mm. able to go ahead and all that and uh and you know because obviously it's, it was such a horrible thing and i and i was but uh alec was very much in 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 the whole time and uh and wanted to make this movie because he was already involved in it then yeah and then it was just a you know did you a, have a contingency plan when all of that happened did you have like a backup not really like to be honest, like of course we were speaking about this and that, but truth is, like we all knew that that he is the guy we want for this, mm-hmm. and like of course, especially when it was quite quite new, it was hard to say which way it's gonna. So of course we were discussing, but but I think all everybody felt like it's it's his it's his thing and you know his his role, and we wanted him on on there. So so I don't think that not for re, not not for for. You know, not properly. There wasn't any. No, well, I mean, it, it worked out well, and and he adds a, a, a fair bit of credibility to it too. It's great to see him on screen and so. stuff like that. Yeah, if the um, if the Wikipedia entry is anything to go by, and I'm not sure it is, I did read that William Hurt was attached at one point early on. Was that true? Not that I have heard of. Ah, oh, um, bloody Wikipedia! I'm, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't really trust the Wikipedia because I think, uh, not with this kind of thing. It's it's hard to. You know, people can just throw all kind of stuff. Wikipedia and also Internet Movie Database is another yeah. thing. It's like those crew lists, especially like always oh. careful with them because anyone can add themselves. It it can and and uh, sometimes I know a couple of films that I made and, and it's it's always a 
pain in the ass to try to actually remove these people mm, because yeah. you, know, you don't know who these people are and they suddenly appear, you know, as the producers, like, who? <laughs> and then you just go chase down somebody who's like, just put your name as a producer. It's really tricky. And that yeah. can actually, yeah, it's important that right people get to go. But uh, I'm not saying that William Hurt wasn't uh, in the in the discussions, but I never heard that. So no, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, for for something like this, you know, sometimes we do these interviews and you don't get production notes, so you you just have to dive into whatever resources are there, and sure. it's frustrating yeah, when you can I never think. rely on it. But um, yeah. awesome. But uh, hey, here we are. Yeah, here we are anyway. That's I, right. I, I try to I try to give the best <laughs> answer, but again, it's 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 a funny thing because again, it's 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 a project where I come a little bit later on, so yeah, who knows what kind of conversations they've been, and it's not like producers they don't like to talk about that stuff. They're like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know, who, who knows if there was another director? <laughs> it's about who we've got, stuff. not who we don't have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and we all know that film is all talk, and 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 there's so much just you know talk going on, and it's very hard to pick the real information and 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 the just speculations and what. Sure. So, sure. Um. For uh, when I came abroad, there was like there was a version of the script, wasn't the final script or anything. And uh, yeah. I think Alec was already in the talk, so it was kind of a good situation to begin with. But then, of course, when when the the, the accident happened with uh, with Alec on the Rust set, like that, that of course like threw everything in the in the bit of a jeopardy. Like, how, is this is this gonna uh, go ahead, and are we mm. able to go ahead, and all that? And uh, and you know, because obviously it's, it was such a horrible thing, and I and I was, but uh, Alec was very much in 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 the whole time and. Uh, and wanted to make this movie because he was already involved in it then. Yeah. And then it was just a, you know. Did you a, have a contingency plan when all of that happened? Did you have like a backup? Not really. Like, to be honest, like, of course we were speaking about this and that, but truth is like, we all knew that, that he is the guy we want for this. Mm -hmm. And like, of course, especially when it was quite, quite new it was hard to say which way it's kind of so of course we were discussing but but i think all everybody felt like it's it's his it's his thing and you know his his role and we wanted him on on there so so i don't think that not for not not for for you know not properly there wasn't any the listeners that don't know um some of your previous films are Iron Sky, those movies, as well as um, Jeepers Creepers Reborn, uh, and you did mention how challenging this was with the, the the shooting schedule. But of all the films you've made, what's been the most challenging? Well, it's it's really the I would say the the, the, the most challenging for me was the film that so far hasn't been released. I, <laughs> I, I shot a I shot a, a twenty five million dollar. Uh, science fiction action film in China in Chinese language for wow. Chinese audience <laughs> with Chinese stars and uh, that was a few years ago and uh, uh, that was it, it was a it was a massive big project but it was it was quite a mess to mess to direct that and I was the only me and my DOP were only you know everybody else was Chinese so it was like we were always a little bit not knowing what the hell is going on or where oh, we were kind of trying to handle that and then and it was very very complicated film to do and exhausting and and to be honest i don't know if we always understood even the script completely so it, it it's that was the hardest and and obviously it's it's the problem is that it's not even out yet. i don't know where it is some sort of a post-production development hell who knows where it how is. the hell did you how the hell did you handle three languages that i can't imagine well 
it's it's it was a really really tricky one it's it's a I had like three or four <laughs> translators running around me all the time but like it's it's impossible then when you try to talk with the actors and there's like because Chinese and and uh, when you have a bad translator of Chinese they translate something and then it's probably half wrong translated anyway yeah unless you're like a super good translator and and then it gets like you get into this conversation where like you both are talking about completely different things for hours yeah and then it's like ah this is what you meant oh now i get it uh-huh. okay now the translation works and it's like it's just a broken phone kind of situation a, a friend of the show that we host is um is one of the leading sort of go-to producers and stunt guys in in china i wonder if you worked with mike leader on that one at all do you know he? No, I don't think. No, I don't think I. I worked. We had a. If I'm not, we had. Um, and right now, remember, unfortunately, the name. That's of the, right. uh, stunt team. But I, but I know that we had. We had a. We had a fantastic motorbike stunt team from Korea. That was a very awesome. Very nice awesome. That is cool. There. So one thing I find uh, somewhat amusing is the fact that this movie is called 97 minutes, but the running time is 91 minutes. <laughs> I know. And I was like, can't we? Can we just? Like, extend the end credits why can't we just make it the, the crawl slower <laughs> or change like, the title to 91 minutes <laughs> or that or that but no, oh, no 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 uh was there it's, like was there a concerted yeah. effort to to meet that title as far as the running no, time I, I i think we i mean we could have if we really wanted to but we were like it's kind of better joke than it's not <laughs> that it's not <laughs> it's <seven> <laughs> so it's it's there's there's something but no it wasn't like uh, in the end i mean in the end what what is the eight and and like if once the editor's there you shouldn't really start adding there just to give length i mean yes, you can see course. sometimes you watch like director cuts or you watch like special editions where they sort of start adding like you yep. know five minutes here another five minutes there it, it just kind of becomes a bit loser and especially with the film which supposedly has a tension around it you kind of want to keep it to what it is but but you could always extend the end credits but then they would become like 10 minute end credits and yeah that's right enough. um look uh, we will wrap up in a moment i want to ask you a couple of um just gen- general questions just because i'm always interested sure. to know about people I want to take you right back to your childhood what kind of movies did you grow up on what what inspired you to make movies in the first place well, I, I obviously was a, a very much in the uh, in the liking of the uh, sci-fi movies, uh, starting from Alien and then going into Blade Runner. Like a lot of Ridley Scott movies, a lot of Paul Verhoeven movies, a lot of uh, um, yeah, Ridley Scott and Paul Verhoeven. Those were my my guards yeah. when I was growing up. And it's funny when I watch these. I just saw Total Recall again, and I was like, holy shit! I basically stole two of my first movies from there. <laughs> It's like, I know that scene. Oh, I put it there. And I never <laughs> thought of it. It's just something that when you are, you know, when you're like 12 year old, you watch stuff or 16, it etches in your brain in, in yep. a way that it never leaves. They imprint so when on you, you think that you are so, yeah, it, it, when you think you're like, uh, you know, creating this, like, uh, you know, out of your head, you're actually creating it. But half of that is coming from the influences, especially from that era. So, when I was, you know, between twelve and eighteen, I, the Paul Verhoeven's and the and the uh, Ridley Scotts that that came there really dictated that. But then uh, Twin Peaks: Firewalk with Me was my oh, my yes yes yes, yes. film that opened the doors in a way like there's there's like 
you like I never tried to imitate Lynch in any way, but it just gave me confidence that that, that you can tell a very interesting, compelling story which can have heart, which can have horrible topics, which can have really like light-hearted humor, which can which can be also cheesy and cliche, all in the same package, mm-hmm. and somehow it just and myst and mystery uh, and and an atmosphere to it, and it's just like gay, like that's always been my sort of like if it's not a guiding light in that sense, like I want to do a film like that because yep. I never will, but it's something that these elements are 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 in a movie what that I do one way or another, then I think I'm I'm getting to where I want to be, and, and that's something that I that's that's my favorite David Lynch film. I love it, love it. Yeah, I, I just watched it the other day, uh, well, three days ago. It was uh, there was a new 4K restoration of that or mm-hmm. whatever. There was a movie theater over here, and I was again also watching that film as like yep. The, you know, I, I noticed the things that I employ my work from that, like the use of music in in certain way and use of mm. you know imagery, and, and you never realize it when you do it, but when you look at the films back, you're like, oh yeah, this, you know, this I, I do that because I yeah. But I mean, that's really what um, that's what Ridley Scott and and Verhoeven were doing as well. They were taking other people. Absolutely. I mean, Alien and Mario Bava are connected. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's a. It's it's the way the process goes, and it's this like unless you deliberately go and copy something and claim that it's yours, then that's a different thing. But if it's influencer out there that that has etched something in your brain, then that's yeah, that's that's what it is. Okay, two more two more questions. First, uh, first one: Are there any Finnish movies that we should watch that we might not have heard of? Oh gosh, yeah, I, I would say. Uh, there is a really good war film that came out a couple of years ago. It's called The Unknown Soldier. Mm-hmm. But more than that, uh, there is a film called Give Me 30 Seconds. All right, go for it. Uh, because I see horror film posters in the back. Uh, <laughs> I would suggest very, very dearly a film called Hatchling, which was released, I think, last year, a year before that. It's a... It's a, a female director from Finland who did this film about uh, a young girl who finds this egg, which is like a huge egg. Yep, I know which it. Starts oh, yep. you know it. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. And then one more movie mm-hmm. uh, came out last year. It's called Sisu, S-Y-S-U. And it's about a really angry man in Lapland killing Nazis. And it's really good. Yep, saw that a few weeks ago, and it was absolutely yeah, okay, yeah, so brilliant. Uh, yeah. I was so thrilled to see that part of the war put on screen like the lapland war like yeah haven't seen that before and it was um it's like peck and pole meets tarantino like it was yeah fantastic movie. It, yeah it's yeah. it's it's a great one so so yeah there's there's a couple of like like pretty good ones that are coming from especially nowadays like I, i'm happy to see that also that finnish films as finnish language like 97 minutes not a finnish movie it's just a finnish director but finnish movies with finnish language or finnish subject matters they actually travel across the world and i think that's that's fantastic because we're a small country but but we can still you know there's, there's, a, there's still there's, an it's a unique atmosphere and a unique um yeah aesthetic to it to those films so that's why i wanted to ask you because i'm always looking for stuff to to watch but um uh final question um i've read somewhere or heard somewhere that there was a third iron sky movie coming is that true uh there um that is an interesting question uh (laughs) there is a story that is very similar to the worlds of iron sky we nowadays have 
uh, it's called Red Planet, and it's actually in the shape of a, of a mini TV series that we're developing wow. right now. And it's about communists on Mars. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I hope that um everybody that is uh, listening or watching this goes and tracks down uh, 97 Minutes because it's a fun uh, hijack movie that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, I love the work that you've done before it as well. So thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute thrill. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, have a nice day over there in Melbourne. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. And do you guys hear voices throughout your day? Constantly. Is this going to be a Ghostbusters reference? Not, not really. I'm just curious. I, you know, you make assumptions about your friends, and then I didn't really know what to think about you two. Yeah. yeah. So do you all do you all hear voices? Every once in a while I hear voices. And every once in a while, you know, you have a conversation with yourself because the most interesting person in the room. Of course, I'm usually by myself, and I'm still not the most interesting person in the room. But we're going to talk today about narration and narrators and how sometimes it's overused, but oftentimes it can save a movie if it's used well. If you go to Collider... And you pull up the 10 best narration in film history. They have this, and they have a couple. One in particular, everybody knows, and as far as the best narrator. But they have Will Wheaton as the narrator in Stand By Me. That is the dumbest mistake I have seen researching in quite a while. Will Wheaton's character, older, is the narrator. And gentlemen, who does that job? That's Richard Dreyfus. What That's website Richard has this? Collider. I will send it to you. They stand by me. Will Wheaton's character, Gordy, is seen, heard, and reflecting on their adventure from long ago. Stand by me, Will Wheaton. And clearly, they have a picture of which actor doing the narration, Chad? Corey Feldman. No, Richard Dreyfus. I actually think Richard Dreyfus, that's one of those narrations that we often forget about that Richard Dreyfus absolutely kills and nails home. Right. And it's, he actually does a really good job with it being such a thankless part. Mm-hmm. And especially for the wraparound. I, 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 there's so many others. There's some really good ones, but I, I, that one's one I think people don't talk about enough. I am going to go with Jason Statham. You know, he's this diehard action star now, but early in his career, he wasn't. He was, he was just kind of a, a he was just a normal guy, normal actor. And his role as Turkish in Snatch, where he narrates throughout the movie. Yeah has some of the best narration i think in cinema history i really need i haven't seen snatch or lock stock and two smoking barrels in probably 20 years oh they're two of my favorites and you know there's one i'm not going to go through the whole quote just because we got five minutes and also nobody wants to hear me with a kentucky accent read and then try to picture jason statham other than the haircut we we have nothing in common and he uh, really does the kind of the little bit of uh yours is more clean shaven than him yes yeah, I, I can't do he stubble. He does the stubble better. Yeah, I can't do stubble either. Um, but no, uh, when he when his friend Tommy is at the gypsy camp and his boxer just gets the shit kicked out of him by Brad Pitt and he's sitting there with all the gypsies around him and there's this narration by Turkish about why he, he should be scared if, if he's going to die. And uh, one of the best line is, it's not that they got social security numbers, is it? Tommy the tit is praying and the way he hits that line it just hits me every single time i watch it so mm -hmm. turkish played by jason statham in snatched is one of the best narrations i think james narrators james you know i thought briefly about going with christina ricci from uh the opposite of sex because she's dark and sardonic but i like my narrators to mess up to be <laughs> human and honestly 
I, I, there's a tie here for me. I love Robert Downey Jr. and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where he screws up and he goes, I'm a terrible narrator. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about but that. But I also have to give credit to somebody that honestly, his, the narration just reminds me of me anytime I have to do anything where I've got to sit down right. Nicholas Cage as Charlie Kaufman. And the fact that he gets interrupted by a screenwriting guru who goes, played by Brian Cox, God help you if you use voiceover in your work. Any idiot, any idiot can write a voiceover narration to explain the thoughts of a character. And the yeah, fact that's... that he's narrating up until that scene, perfect. I love those two narrations. Those are my go-tos. And we talked, we've talked about, if, if we got a few minutes, we talked about this in a previous episode, but the opening narration by Nicolas Cage, I have a hard time listening to because that's, if you ever listen to it, people who listen to Good Movie Monday, that is how my brain is running a hundred miles every day. Um, that negotiation so, about I'll get a muffin. Well, no, wait, no. That, honestly, I, I had to I had to submit a chapter uh, two days ago, and I literally was I was like, no, I'm gonna do this before I can eat. No, it's it's accurate. All right, this has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. So there we go, Ben. We've had an interview. We've had the Bonehead segment. And now we recommend. That's the only thing left to do on the show. Excellent. And are you ready for it? As soon as IMDb loads up, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going out of the box for this one. I'm going to do something unusual. I don't usually recommend newer contemporary movies, but I'm going to do that. Usually I like to go back to the 70s or the 80s, sometimes the 90s. But I'm going all the way back to 2020 for this one. I don't think I was around in 2020. Oh, weren't you? You were <laughs> overseas? Not yet born. Oh. Uh, <laughs> There's <laughs> a movie called Mosquito State. Have you heard of this one? It is, I think, currently on Shudder, if I'm not mistaken. And mm. it is directed by a guy called Philip Jan Ramzan. Once again, these fucking names. <laughs> and it's uh, starring Bo, Bo Knapp, who was in Southpaw. He was the lead villain in uh, Eli Roth, Death Wish. And Charlotte Vega, who was in the Wrong Turn reboot and the movie Bookshop. And this is a movie, it's a kind of like a body horror movie. It's about a Wall Street analyst who's penthouse apartment analyst his penthouse apartment is infested with mosquitoes and late at night they feed off him and causing his body to welt and it's a grotesque kind of body horror like that and soon he becomes reliant on the mosquitoes feeding on him and it ends up with him in this state of psychosis he just loses his mind and all that kind of stuff but it is a movie that does not make a lot of sense like it's very metaphorical all about you know Wall Street leeching off people. It's sort of, you know, that kind of thing. But to look at, it's amazing because it's so, like, it starts off with the opening scene's amazing. It's the birth of a mosquito from larvae. Right. And the camera follows that that mosquito all the way to this guy's apartment. Like, so it flies through the streets and the camera follows it. Obviously, it's CG, but it's really good CG into an, uh, like, a dinner party at this office is um, hosting. And it contemplates his victims as it's going. It gets shooed away. But it's just a captivating piece of cinema because the music... I was going to say, I don't know if I'd, if I'd be awake by the time the you got m- to this. The music <laughs> is really like um, electronic and heavy and it's just fascinating. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And then it finds its victim, it lands, and then this guy unwillingly takes it to his apartment where it lands in a glass of water and then all hell breaks loose. And like I said, just really grotesque, really weird. And nice yeah, to look right. at. But what I found most frustrating of everything in this, what was most frustrating was he never got itchy. 
Like when a mozzie, when you have a mozzie bite, some people aren't allergic to mozzie because that's what it is. It's an allergy. Yeah, and you get that's what causes the itch. Oh, it fucking itches the shit out of me <coughs> when I have one. Some, my father is not allergic to mosquito bites. There is he not doesn't get them. A single bottle of calamine lotion in this movie. Yeah, like, <laughs> good opportunity for product placement. I would have thought. <coughs> but anyway, look, there's not much to the and story. There are some people that are more susceptible because I used to if I if I was standing near my mother mm-hmm. when she was alive when we used to go to the beach and stuff, she would get riddled. She'd get swarmed by the mosquitoes. Yep. Standing next to her, I'd get none. Mate. It was so weird. But then if I'm just there on my own... Do you know, I think one of the most horrific sounds in the world is when you're asleep at night and you get that... That terrifies me for some reason. I hate it. I, I, I don't I don't mind so much mosquitoes. I hate it when you get those the Christmas beetles that are like because <laughs> they keep they seem to have no radar for walls. <laughs> yeah, and that roof. <laughs> and you're like, you're like dunk, it, dunk, is, dunk. It's, it's gonna end up in my mouth. I know it's gonna end up in my mouth. Oh, for fuck's sake. The only interesting thing I want to add to this one, um, it is on Shutter, as I said, it's called Mosquito State. The guy that directed this is the guy that gave us that Orson Welles documentary, They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. Oh, right. And that, he also produced Not the... Not me um, and Orson Welles and I, or whatever it is. No, this is the one that was all about the other side or of the wind. Of you know that posthumous film, Other Side of the Wind, that was a documentary about that? He also produced the release of that original film as well. Yeah, right. This guy, so he's, he's got a bit of clout. And I found it interesting that, you know, the feature film he, he latched onto was this mosquito state, so... Well, there you go. There you go. It's fun. It's, it's weird, and it's worth a look. So Your I'm gonna, turn. I'm going to talk about something complete opposite of the spectrum. Oh, and I messaged you about it uh, this week because for the f- I finally got around to watching. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the year was. Uh, 2006's Beer League, starring <laughs> yeah. Artie Lang. <laughs> yeah. Now this movie it's directed by um, Frank Sebastiano, who also uh, wrote it with uh, one other person who who I need to click a button to find out who that is. <laughs> uh, and but Frank Sebastiano wrote Dirty Work. He's like a head writer for the comedy roasts. Mm-hmm. He does like Anthony Jezel. He writes for Jezelnik. Yep. He writes for The Tonight Show. He writes comedy for Nikki Schlesinger. He does, you know, like he's like, you know, like right up there in terms of comedy. He's hooked in. Royalty. Yeah. Uh, yet he made this film. And <laughs> the film is like, it, it could have been great. It's mm-hmm. so close to being great. The problem is really is that it relies on Artie Lang to lead the film. And Artie Lang, as much as I love Artie Lang, He's much better as Norm Macdonald's sidekick. Yeah. And had this been had this been Norm Macdonald in the lead and Artie Lang in the Ralph Macchio part, because Ralph Macchio's in it. Actually, it wouldn't have been Ralph Macchio. There's, there's actually another guy whose name I don't know who he would have been uh, mm. much much better as. But Ralph Macchio is like the kind of straight the straight laced friend. As he is, he's but always straight laced. It's it's basically the <laughs> the plot of this film is that there's Artie Lang's a lovable loser who still lives with his mother. He's thirty five years old, overweight, uh, smokes like a chimney, but the only joy he has in life really is uh, playing in this beer league, yeah, which is a baseball league um, uh, sponsored by the local bar that sure. they all hang out in. And uh, but his his enemy, his his great nemesis from high school. Uh, played by Anthony DeSanto, plays in a in a in a another an opposing team, mm-hmm. and he basically he's like he's a real prick, and he kind of you know so they play their first game and they get into a major brawl and apparently this is a common occurrence 
So the cops who are also happen to be like the the this this uh, Anthony DeSanto's cousin <laughs> kind of makes them a deal. Mm-hmm. Like you know this can't happen. I won't arrest anyone except for the black guy in the team. He gets he gets <laughs> he's, he's the only one who actually gets arrested. Uh, <laughs> yes, whoever wins the uh, the final mm. gets to stay in the league. The other team have to go and join another. Yep. Have to join another league. Mm-hmm. And so basically, it's about the you know the lovable r- gang of misfits having to pull together to uh, to stay in their in their beer league. Let's just say that they don't really they kind of do it, <laughs> but they don't really do it. It's got a great cast, as I said. Ralph Macchio pops up, but so does their the team is kind of led by Seymour Cassell as oh. the crotchety old <laughs> yeah. Thing, but he's he's hilarious. Awesome. Yeah, like he's and they've there's a <laughs> this is my kind of movie. I might add. Yeah, there's a great look. They they have they have Ralph Macchio's getting married. They have a bachelor party. There's a woman who shoots uh, ping pong balls out of her. I can't remember what they sounds uh, like a cross between back in the day and bench warmers. Yeah, I'm just trying to think what do they call her? They they she's got a <laughs> the stripper has a name. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, what is it? <laughs> oh, the pitching machine. They call her the pitching machine. <laughs> And they literally during the bachelor party, she's there with her legs spread, shooting these balls out, and they they they're literally literally there with the baseball bat, like banging them around comedy, the bar. Comedy gold. Comedy gold. Oh, oh, what was it you said to me? Like this could only improve if Norm Macdonald was in it. Yeah, <laughs> and, like had it been Norm Macdonald in the lead. Yeah. Fuck, it would have been great. And this is Artie Lang with a nose. Interesting. Yeah, because he doesn't have one anymore. Oh, so he's coked, off, he's coked his nose off, Yeah, has he? we'll Google that after the show. <laughs> You'll be shocked. Anyway, but speaking of, that brings us to the end of the show. So there you go. Two banger recommendations. Quite polar opposites, as you said. And I believe I believe you can check out uh, Beer League on Amazon Prime. I will be doing that. Soon. It's uh, Yes, it speaks to me. <laughs> hey, I think I've, it's right up your alley. I've got a challenge for everybody listening. So the interview I had there with Timo, the conversation, he mentioned a Chinese film that he made and has never been released. If you can find out what that was, let us know. Drop us a comment because I can tell you what, I can't find any fucking thing on it. Anything. Like there's no record of this movie existing. So there you go. There lies the challenge. Although I must say his new Iron Sky movie, the third one, is being filmed in China. So I don't think it's that. So don't go... Okay, so no, it's Lions Go 3. <laughs> <laughs> End of the show. Ben, anything you want to add? I, I probably do, but right now I'm just looking at Artie Lang's nose. Hey, have you found it? <laughs> yes, I have. It's pretty gross, isn't it? It's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. There we go. So, uh, goodmoviemonday.com. Go follow us on all the social media pages. Listen to our other podcast, Wednesday Up Late. We have videos dropping every night this week, including uh, this interview with Timo. We have uh, the chat with Jarrett's up online, and Ben and I will be reacting to a trailer as well. Uh, ben, we've got a song to sign off with. Uh, do you remember? I do remember. I'm a bit disappointed because, uh, like, I, at first I was trying to tie it into the to the interview, and yeah. I thought, what, can, what ties in with Iron Sky? I've got no idea. Then, of course, you've picked two songs that totally do. My song does not in any way tie into the film. <laughs> At all, has n- could, I, couldn't have any less to do with anything. I'm we've sure discussed. if we played Six Degrees of Separations my way, we'd find a way to tie it in. Tie it in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we played by your rules, yeah. That's right. So what is it? So one time I had a dream <laughs> <laughs> that in Iron Sky, that the, the, I, I, I put on Iron Sky, but I played the uh, you know like you do with um, Wizard of Oz and uh, 
Dark Side of the Moon, mm-hmm. if you play the soundtrack, it matches up. Yep. Well, you can do that with Iron Sky and the soundtrack for uh, Streets of Fire. Uh, <laughs> but I've chosen, because it's such a fucking banger, and it's mm-hmm. just a great song to, if you're listening to the podcast and it's winding down and you've, you're just letting it play because you finished your commute or whatever the hell you're doing while you're listening to it. It just it just gets you in the right in the right mood for the rest of the they're day. They're sitting in the garage. They they won't go inside until the show's till finished. The show's you finished. Know? They, yeah. They've got they're committed. They're right there till the end. So this is stop. Don't keep them waiting any longer, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, tonight. What it is to be young by Fire Inc. I, the thing that's so shocking is the woman, the lead singer of this band. Mm. Like it only it only ever had a couple of songs that played in this soundtrack. But she's done work with... She primarily works with the guy who composed all of the songs for this film. And, uh, um, and But she's never had really seemingly any mm. solo success. But her voice is just so outrageously good. Mm-hmm. It is offensive that she hasn't. Yes, so turn it up, everybody. It's a banger. It is. See you next week. Ciao. I've got a dream about an angel on the beach and the perfect.